The frickin' miracle of birth. Well, welcome, Sarah. Thank you for Thank joining you. us today. I know it's always a challenge to get sound going and mom schedules to coordinate and so it's always a small miracle that we get to do this so thank you yeah all right so welcome to the frickin miracle of birth with colleen o'malley and georgina santos um colleen let's start off with this week's fake sponsors um well mine like all of my best comedy i've stolen it from somebody else so copyright kelsey 2020 um but i am brought to you by the five seconds after you close your toddler's door on the car while they're in their car seat and before you open your door to get in and you have silence. (laughs) (laughs) Not my joke, but fully appreciate that moment. Every single time I'm like, yes, this is like its own little five second meditation. It's so wonderful. Uh, I can relate. It feels like yesterday, but yeah. It wasn't yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Georgina? Um, My uh, sponsor this week are houseplants. I've recently joined all millennials everywhere by becoming obsessed with houseplants. And (laughs) I very like, I very much like the uh, controlled, somewhat controlled uh, nature of just trying to nurture things. It's an adventure. I like to think that they're cleaning my air. I don't know. So... Shout out to houseplants for just being very cheerful and constant. Yes. Um, and like easy like... to replace if you kill them and also they don't talk back. <laughs> yes. Yes. So they're, they're great. They're, I, I really wish I had gotten on them earlier in the pandemic. <laughs> so <laughs> now I have them. Well, we are very well excited to welcome this week's guest, Sarah. Sarah, will you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, so I um, am a mother to three kids. I have two girls and a boy who are way past toddler age. They're now, um, one's in middle school and two girls in high school. And I am a school nurse by day and a children's book illustrator by night. So, um, yeah. That sounds busy. It's, but you know, when your kids are older, you actually have more free time, so. I don't understand. (laughs) What is free time? (laughs) Yes, yes. It's elusive, but it does return. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) How's the, um, you know, only share what you feel like sharing and what you feel like your child might enjoy having you share, but how's the middle school stuff going because that's a little bit daunting for me you know it was a lot easier with my girls they're both in high school now okay Um, they just have more um accommodating personalities Mm. i'll say and Mm -hmm. my son has very strong personality along with being a male which i honestly did not think would be an issue and i am totally believe women can do anything but Mm -hmm. I, i do think he really was searching for someone like him, like a, a father, you know, a father, a people, like anyone, a male. And so for me, it's really hard to step in and have him be respectful and so forth. So totally. um, he also, it's, it's challenging with him too, because he's also adopted, which adds another layer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's not, I don't think it's an easy set of years for anyone. I mean, if I think back to my own middle school, it was pretty awful. Yeah. Um, and I saw that through my girls, a lot of like petty catty stuff with mm-hmm. um, friends that was just heartbreaking. And, and at the time you think it's your whole world and yeah. you're dying and yeah, it's hard cause... as a parent not to go and laugh in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember like, thankfully for me, high school was fine. I know a lot of people struggle a lot in high school, but middle school yeah. was my like shit time. That was like, yes. what is happening? I'm depressed all the time for no reason. Who are these people I live with that are my parents that, like, clearly don't understand me? You know, like, that whole thing. So that was a hard time for me. High school, like, thankfully, I think my hormones just leveled out. And I was like, oh, life is okay. But Yeah. No, I think the hormones are a big, big factor. I know with my little middle child, especially, I've seen it. She's super easygoing, gentle person, and something's napped in middle school like oh my gosh like this is not the you I thought you were but yeah she's coming back yeah she's still in there she's doing her best I'm sure 
Well, awesome. Sarah. Oh, go, go ahead, Georgina. Oh, I was just going to say, so you have three children, and I believe you're sharing the uh, second child's birth story today. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So my daughter, who is now um, turning 17 in August, was born in Puerto Rico. My ex-husband and I lived there at the time, for he worked for the Justice Department, and so we took an assignment there. So. Wow. And when you were in Puerto Rico, did you have any family nearby? Did you know anyone when you moved there? No. <laughs> but um, the, the nice thing about the expat community there is that it is pretty tight-knit. So um, even though I really worked hard to make Puerto Rican friends, I did have this core group of friends um, through like the armed services and the Justice Department who... Um, kind of uh, not only were we going through having little kids together which is such a special time but then be in navigating this kind of foreign environment just kind of knit you really close so yeah but my family was in the states and thankfully my parents lived in florida so really the closest possible state to puerto rico so really that was a blessing but I think the thing I didn't realize, um, I actually moved there a month after I gave birth to my first daughter, Sophia. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> what a wild going, time. I was well, going to ask crazy. how old was your oldest? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's just ridiculous because, you know, we're intelligent people, but I guess I never thought, hmm, I might be recovering from birth. Like, even though I physically have a baby in my arms, you know, mentally, I'm not even doubt and Physically, I'm not even doubt, and I just, it wasn't until I was going through nursing school taking um, maternal baby nursing class, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. No wonder I was so out of it. This whole, you know, the whole transition was crazy, so. I, like, cannot imagine even moving to, like, another house on my street during the first month, let alone, like, (laughs) another state where the primary language, like, isn't English and just, like, all this crazy. You know, I think what helped was we both were living in Connecticut, and both of our commutes were extremely long, and I was working for a marketing company, and we, we both were, like, we can't sustain this lifestyle. This is not a good fit for us. We want something a little slower paced. And when the opportunity came up, we were both like, well, <laughs> if we want it, it's not going to be ideal timing. So yeah. we just, yeah. So it helped to have that incentive. So, yeah. For but, sure. yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I just, <laughs> I still am like, how to know. I mean, I wish I knew to be gentle with myself. I think I was just like, why am I laying on the couch? And why am I not, like, bouncing back and adjusting? It's like, wow, well, this is a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Wow. That could probably be its whole own podcast. It's like Sarah's <laughs> postpartum time a month after she moved to Puerto Rico. Oh, my favorite thing, too, is the... Um, we, when we first moved in, we didn't, we had an offer in a house and we were closing on it, but we weren't living in it yet. So we were living in base housing. They had a little Coast Guard base nearby. And somebody walked in there like, oh, that's the couch my friend gave birth on. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, thanks for sharing that. And now we have to have it in our guest house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so... Made my birth story sound way better, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So, um, how long had you been in Puerto Rico before you um, got pregnant with your second? We, let's see, my girls are 20 months apart. So, okay. if we do the math, about a year, maybe a okay. year and a couple months. So, yeah, pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. So, what was going on around that time? Like, how did you feel about being pregnant again and what all was happening? I was excited. I think, you know, I just assumed it would take a while to get pregnant. So mm-hmm. we tried like a little head of um, what I thought would be ideal, which was like two years or two and a half years and got pregnant right away. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, they're going to be 20 months apart. So that I think was a little bit of a interesting, like a mental wrap. I had to be like, okay, that's not my planning. But I was excited. I, I had had a miscarriage right before too so oh wow like, so but when she came I was like really happy that it you know was working out yeah yeah two so. under two that's <laughs> I feel like that's the phrase that's used nowadays is that something yeah. that you heard a lot two under two 
Could be. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I feel like in Puerto Rico, it's definitely out of touch. <laughs> what was going on in the States, but probably. Um, yeah, it's crazy because you're like, well, in my case, I breastfed. So I was like weaning one and then potty training the other. And then, you know, like throwing the passy over the cliff and then like, no, we're not, you know, like it just feels like there's always a new stage. Yeah, a lot of transitions quite, at once. Yeah, a lot of like whack-a-mole type of stuff. So, <laughs> so do how you remember? Oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Go Come ahead, on. Georgina. I like cannot sync up today. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. No, I mean this is one of the the challenges of having these like really intimate conversations virtually is that we can't see one another's faces. <laughs> yeah, you can't really tell. Yeah, so when you're, you're about just to like. Say anything. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was just going to ask, do you recall what your first trimester was like? Yeah, not too much. I think because she was my second child, like I remember with my first baby, like I was so aware, like every day I was like, oh, she's this big. Oh, she, you know, like I had all my journal and I, and like by the second one, I think I was chasing a toddler around and I just didn't even stop to think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was pretty good. Like I don't, remember the first trimester having any big issues. The big thing about Puerto Rico though is that the whole like doctor experience is crazy. So they don't take appointments. So I'd have to go and wait all day in the clinic to be seen. So I remember that even early on just like, and that was like pre iPhone. (laughs) So, you know, I like bring a book or something and then we'd have like the light, the power would go out and be like, oh, I'm sorry, you have to go home and come back tomorrow oh like, my oh, god! such a waste of time did you have your your younger or your oldest one with you when you did that yeah well I think they probably sometimes sometimes okay. we they did have like a daycare that I did use some but okay I just tried not to use it all the time but yes yeah yeah, yeah wow. I'm sure that was a big part of it wow and and so it was sort of a choose and when they say you there weren't appointments did they like tell when you were seen would they tell you oh, you should come back in this much time? Or, or was it sort of a choose your own yeah. adventure? Like how often would you, would you like to come every week? Go ahead and wait. Or I mean, how did that work as far as uh, That's a driving good the care? I think that he would, yeah, I think he would say, okay, come back in three weeks. And we'd kind of agree on a day. So I think they kind of knew when I was coming in, but it was like, could be any time of the day. So, but I had a really wonderful doctor and honestly, I really, I mean, like I remember his name, I remember his demeanor and it, he's the reason why I decided to give birth in Puerto Rico. Cause some of my friends flew to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just was a very kind and caring and gentle and had been endorsed by a few of my friends. So that helped. But part of his thing is part of why you'd wait all day is like, once you were in the office with him, it's like you were the only person that existed. Like he had all the time in the world for you. He would just chat about whatever you like, it might not even be, like, baby-related. It was kind of like therapy, and he was so nice. It was, like, kind of like, oh, okay, well, I can hang out here. This is nice. So. That's so cool. I can't imagine <laughs> doing that at any American doctor's office because they just can't. It's not like they don't want to, no. but they're like, you have to be done with this shit in 20 minutes so I can see 45 more patients before the day is done because that's how American that's, healthcare works. Yeah, that's such a good point, and I think that that was – interesting for me because I, I had given birth in the American system first. So mm-hmm. I did have a little to contrast it with. Um, yeah. And I feel like every time I went with Sophia, my oldest, you know, it'd be like roving nurse practitioner, or like you wouldn't be seen by the same person every mm-hmm. time or yeah, it was in that respect, it was very personal and caring. Um, but as you'll hear later, <laughs> there's a lot more to it. <laughs> So, you know, what I'm curious, Sarah, is if, you know, those sort of somewhat leisurely seeming visits, do you think that had anything to do with just like your experience of Puerto Rican culture and just a difference in how people conceptualize time other places? Because I hear that there are places in the world (laughs) where time isn't this like... I feel like in the United States, it's just seen as this scarce resource that needs to be managed and and scheduled constantly. And I feel like people really do have a differing perception of time. So I'm curious if that if you think that was like a cultural factor. Oh, 100%. Because I, I can think of so many social faux pas that um, my husband and I or my husband at the time and I committed like, 
our neighbors would have a party and they'd be like, oh, well, we'll come over at, you know, 12 and you show up at 12 and no one's even there. And, and then they're two like, hours actually, later, it they... doesn't happen till <laughs> two hours later. Yeah. Yeah. And then the best part is they'd lay out the food. But they knew once they served the food that people would eat quick and leave. So they'd like not have you eat it for like another hour. Oh my god! But gosh. we didn't know that. So my ex is going over and like looking at everything and grazing. And they served up plates for us and no one else. <laughs> so like those kind of things where you're like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I had no idea. But yeah, you learn. Yeah. It's definitely time. Yeah. I mean, there's wonderful aspects to it, but, you know, efficiency is not one of them, so. And if you're an American, too, it's just like, sometimes it's just like banging your head against the wall to try to get anything done. Yeah, I I had that experience in Brazil, like, they would be, even just for, like, a day where you had nothing going on, which is, like, good, and you should do that, but, like, just my anxiety around time and knowing (laughs) what to do when, like, they, same thing, have, we're having a barbecue, it's starting at three, but actually no one's going to show up till six. And so like when my host family says three, I'm like, okay, make sure I got all my dumb American shit in my bag, ready to go, look good, you know, and then I'm ready and three hours we haven't left the house. And I'm like, what is happening guys? And like, had I known we weren't just like five minutes away, you know, every, every five minutes I'm thinking, oh, well probably in five more minutes we're going to leave. But had I known we really had three more hours, I might have tried to, like, I don't know, paint a painting or do something else with my time. I just, like, yeah, it was a big adjustment for me. Even when I had no, like, it wasn't the doctor. I wasn't trying to get anything, like, done per se. It was, like, I I don't do well with this. Oh, my gosh. So, I... Yeah, it's eye-opening. Like, I can't say I changed because I came back and was, like, back to my old American self. But... It made me really appreciate, like in some ways that you really do appreciate, like how, how like into family or into, you know, just things that we could learn from as totally. a culture here, you know, but yeah, oh, it's so hard. And I, I love, like, I love being productive. I love accomplishing things. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of like uh, figuring out how to kind of let that stuff go is really hard. Yeah. So did you have like ultrasounds or um, what, like the office visits, you mentioned it was a little more yeah. like therapy. There's like, a holistic aspect, but did you also have like sure. regularly scheduled ultrasounds too? What was that like? They, they did. I think it was a new technology for them at that, in that office. So they had one of uh, like a portable one that they'd bring in and it seemed to work fine. I mean, they got the sex right and they knew she was going to be large and, you know, like, so they, somebody kind of knew how to read the equipment. Um, I always in the back of my head, though, was a little um, leery about all kinds of things because even while I was there, there was a big like scandal about doctors, how they were all sharing the answers to like board, you know, things. And so you just never really knew, like, am I getting real care? Is this, you know, corruption going I don't know but I was fortunate and I had decent experiences so there's a part of trust in there for sure and probably intuition like you know just sure. knowing that you felt safe you know yeah. or he gave you that feeling I feel like right and I feel that like, might be too, enough like for me <laughs> right and I think the truth is like in America when you're not seen by the same doctor all the time or they are in a hurry they could easily miss things and mm-hmm. then um, I mean, no matter where you are, you really have to be your own advocate. And yeah, there's good and bad to both. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Now, what was the rest of your pregnancy like? Do you have any, any significant memories of being pregnant with Natalie? Yeah, I think I was um, pretty healthy. I, we used to run on the beach for exercise there. So I kept running for until about five or months along. And then I like, I'd heard about, you know, the bands or whatever you can buy so you can keep running. And I was just like, mm, I think I'm going to start walking. So I got really bad leg cramps. I'm just, I don't know. Is that common? It was not fun. So I'd get those like Ooh. at night. At nighttime. Yeah, I yeah, got I my second. I got some at night. So with my first baby, I worked like up until I gave birth. And with Natalie, I, um, I was only working part time. I had like a little art business. And so... <laughs> I do know I was kind of stupid and that I would like, I remember I was, um, I had a job where I was um, painting a mural for a pet, um, for a veterinarian office. 
And I was up on scaffolding at five months pregnant, like stuff like that. Where I'm like, wow, so <laughs> stupid. Oh but I think goodness. I just thought I was invincible. And I had friends there that surfed like until they were eight or nine preg- you know, months pregnant, which is wow. in my mind crazy because you could fall so easily. But yeah, you know, everybody has their own level of safety, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I it was actually a great place to be pregnant too because you don't need very many clothes. Like I remember when I was in Connecticut, I was like, oh, I have to buy a pregnant work clothes and I have to, oh, it's seasonal. Things are changing. I have to buy it, you know, and your body, I mean, your body's still changing, but in Puerto Rico, it's like I could have maternity shorts and like a cute little maternity like sundress and that's all I needed. And Mm -hmm. so that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Is the weather there pretty the same all year round or is there like a dry and wet season yeah i mean it it definitely they do have like a rainy season it's not like india or something where it's really extreme um but they Mm -hmm. do have um sort of like florida where it gets ridiculously hot and muggy and then winter is a little drier and milder but it probably only varies in like 20 degrees so like it's 65 70 and then it's 85 90 (laughs) so just a little different. That sounds delightful. I would like to live there. You know, it, it, I, I have to say, like, I lived on the ocean, so it was fantastic because you always had breezes, mm-hmm. but electricity there is really, really expensive. So, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't like have central air. You could have like wall units, which yeah. are like a step up from window units, but you never felt cool. Like, I remember. Um, sweating in the shower <laughs> things like that oh boy. like oh that is not a great memory <laughs> that would be hard for pregnant me yeah. regular me I oh, think yes. I would adjust because I'm yeah. just like all I want to be is like wrapped up in a burrito and be warm all the time yes. but yes. pregnant me was like the one time in my life where I was like I'm too hot and this is not tolerable is this what everyone else is complaining about all the regular yeah. times interesting yeah that's that's interesting yeah you would be a perfect candidate um, I grew or I was in high school in Florida and I was like, I'm never living in Florida again. So it like <laughs> felt like God laughing when I moved to Puerto Rico. <laughs> like, ah, take this. So, what time yeah. of year did you give birth? Um, that was August. Okay. So it was yeah. the, you were yeah. really pregnant then in the height of summer. Is yes. that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would say the most brutal month is August and September, but yeah, July, August is very very warm take us to like natalie's arrival is seeming like imminent or your like late pregnancy what was what was that like um let's see so she was late so i did get like braxton hicks some and i was a little more aware you know how they say usually like the second baby will come faster so i was trying to be really aware of all of that um i was never like a really cute pregnant person I feel like by the end I just felt like you know I mean I'm super tall anyway so like tall and large um and I remember like with my first pregnancy I remember one of my co-workers was like yeah you're a big boned woman I'm like I am not a big boned woman this is all baby you know like just like I just like took up a lot of space so I was not I don't think my mental state was super awesome let's see it's hard to feel like cute in any way shape or form towards the end There's it's just true like, I feel like like six months is like the adorable stage yeah, and then yeah. it's just like because at the end one. like even if you objectively looked cute to the outside viewer you yourself feel like you can't eat your face is puffy you can't move like there's nothing that you can embody cuteness with you're just like I'm just trying to make it till the end <laughs> it's so true I, and then just even retaining water or mm-hmm. whatever Ooh. I remember someone told me, like, all your baby is doing now is gaining weight. And I was already, like, so big. I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. Because I had, like, a, you know, I feel like I had a while to go, like, before I was considered full term. I was like, wow, yeah. that's pretty incredible that that's kind of really all that's happening. You're, like, just reminding me, like, developmentally, like, pretty much, you know, the systems are there. But so now it's just yeah. the baby's just getting getting some getting some fluff for the big arrival. And I was like, I, how is, how is, how will this happen? How will this work? How will there be more room? But you know, uh, bodies are pretty amazing. (laughs) 
<laughs> so even they if are. we don't look cute, we're all like, wow. <laughs> this amazing uh, science thing is happening. Yeah. I mean, I think, too, when I studied it in nursing school, so you're just like, wow. Just, it is so incredible, like, all the little things. Yeah, how how the space is created, how things keep moving and adjusting and then, yeah, just, it's pretty amazing. Um, but I mean, all that is to say, you know, you still get heartburn and feel the baby like kicking into your <laughs> diaphragm mm-hmm. all the time or whatever. So, yeah. Or bladder. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Or that. Yes. And you said she was, uh, she was measuring pretty big. Yes. When you were- yeah. So my first was nine pounds, three ounce. Oh, four, no, two ounces. And then Natalie was nine three when she was born. So yeah, she was she was a big one. So um, when like the last like week or so, did you have any like clue like signs that baby was coming, or just Braxton Hicks? And how did the yeah. sort of when I labor got started? Yeah. How did that all go? I think just Braxton Hicks because um, I was past my due date. So my mom, I was had full confidence the baby was coming like right at my due date so I bought my mom a ticket and she's here she was here for like 10 days I'm like goodness you know she only had a few days to go I'm like I need my mom here she can't go um so let's see so I had I had like false labor so the night before I gave birth I was at the grocery store and then like the labor pain started um Mm -hmm. but then they stopped later that evening and I think what happened is I called the doctor and then we agreed to go ahead and induce me because it was so far. I mean, I was like getting pretty, I knew that she was going to be really big. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so then we scheduled induction the next day. And yeah, so I think the thing, okay, again, just things I either, I don't know if it's due to pregnancy or just ignorance, but I just, I didn't realize like, okay, so in Puerto Rico, at the, in this area of Puerto Rico, you have to book an anesthesiologist ahead of time, but they wanted payment up front. And I didn't trust that they would actually show up at the birth. So I decided to give birth naturally just because I was like, you know, I kind of want, part of me kind of wanted to do it, but then that was like, okay, I don't trust this. So like crazy business. So, but then, you know, the doctor gave me Pitocin to induce labor. And I just didn't realize like that would make everything come like really hard and fast. Oh my gosh. I just need to take a minute to like process that that happened to you. Okay. Wow. It's yeah. So yeah. What a ride. And I think I'd already like, so my first pregnancy, I like had an epidural and I watched TV and I fell asleep and like, Oh, time to push. Like, I mean, it was more to it than that, but you know, it was like very different from this one. So yeah, it was kind of painful. Wow. wow. Um. So, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm still getting, <laughs> I'm processing the fact that you had to book an anesthesiologist ahead of time. There are so, so many you, things like this, like you would not, wow. I mean, it's so, I think that's the thing about Puerto Rico is it, it's a territory, so you kind of think, well, it's similar to the U.S. Oh, look, they have Kmart. Yeah, it's got to be kind of like the U.S. And then things like this happen, and you're like, oh, we are not really in the mainland, at least. So. Well, there's no way in the U.S. we would miss out on the opportunity to charge people a bunch of money for an anesthesiologist. Well, We'd you're be right, like, right. here it is, here it is. You want it, you want it, you want it? We'll charge you for it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, a little jaded there, huh? Oh, yeah, I'm very no, jaded. True. All it's the doctor, true. if any doctors ever listen to this, they're going to be like, you're the worst. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Okay. I know we should we should have we should have somebody from the medical profession okay, on. I have to tell you like one of the reasons I became a nurse was because I had such a bad experience with my first baby with a night nurse mm-hmm. like post labor so I think there like there is a lot of trauma here you know yeah yeah I know anyway. I know for the most part everybody's like doing their best because I, I have right. like my dad's a doctor my cousin's a doctor I know that they're sure. working within a system that is kind of right. insane um, right. So I'm, I'm mostly blaming the system and not the individuals. <laughs> yeah, there's or, a and few you can't, like choice yeah. individuals that also suck, but mostly it's the system. Yes, I agree. I agree. No, it's it's true, and it's. I think once you're out, you know, when you first get into a system, you're like, I can change things, I can make them better, and then you get really tired, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, this is a lot harder than I thought. Yeah, crazy. That was a crazy aspect. Um, so how did you cope? 
when I'm assuming very quickly the contractions got pretty intense and then you had no pain medication. So you were just like, here I am, I'm doing this. Like, what did you yeah. do to cope with that? So um, I snuck um, granola bars because <laughs> they're like, oh, you can't eat. You might have to go into labor or you have to, might have to go to surgery. I was like, screw this. I need energy to give birth. I don't care. <laughs> So, but I didn't really think about the fact that, like, later you probably will poop if you, like, have food in your system. So Even if you thought, don't like, eat, you'll still poop. There's always poop. Always. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's going to come out. I love the, like, they're very good at, like, discreetly swiping it aside. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. Gross poop. So gross. <laughs> um, but, okay, so I won't, I won't feel so bad about the uh, bars then. But no, anyway, I do believe bad. in that. I hate that. I mean, like, I totally understand the why behind it. But I was like, I will not. Well, I will need surgery if I can't push. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we have that's, the candy bars? Or that's my, but. like, completely not based on science opinion <laughs> anecdotal on myself is that if I don't have energy from food, then it will turn yes, into surgery. Yes. I believe it. I believe it. I'm sure there's research to back it up. Um, so you're chomping on granola bars. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Have... Okay. So, so this hospital was very backward and I later learned that there are many more modern hospitals, but I did not know this. So this hospital was crazy. So it was a giant like labor room full of women in various stages of labor. Oh my God. Was like, <laughs> That's my nightmare. My memory is like at least 12 beds. And I think they had curtains, but I don't think they were fully closed off. So I could keep hearing things. I could keep hearing like, Dios mio, Dios mio, ah, ah, whatever. And then like crying and like, oh my gosh. No, but then it like. No, I could not, I could not tolerate anyone who was remotely farther along than me. Like the people who were behind me, I'd be like, so yeah, funny. I am way better so off than funny. you. But the people ahead of me who are like, oh, I'm pushing now, ready to go. I'd be like, fuck off. I'm not there yet. I have so much more work to get <laughs> that to that. That is so funny. That is your like take on it. I think for me, I like felt sorry for them because culturally many of them did not have spouses with them. Mm-hmm. Many were like laboring alone or maybe with their mom. Mm-hmm. But I just was putting my own American, you know, cultural value on it. I was like, oh, yeah. I feel so bad. They should have someone with them mm-hmm. like I do. So I actually at one point like offered my, my husband to go like hold another girl's hand next to me. I felt so bad. She was like sobbing Aww. all by herself and really young and oh. Yeah, but oh, at one point though, there was this really beautiful moment. They were playing um, Spanish praise music in the background while these women are screaming and moaning. And they, uh, and they stopped and they all started singing. I think it was a song they liked. Wow. Oh, wow. So, and it was wow. just like this like, crazy beautiful moment like all these women are experiencing this thing but now together they're experiencing this other I don't know I just it's like the weird things that happen when you're like going through crazy experiences but I just I always remember that I love that moment that's beautiful and I mean I think like I this is the first time you've you've told me this Sarah and the first time I've like heard about giving birth in like a shared like a really big shared space. I know sometimes people have to share rooms. But I feel like that's very much like a cultural attitude, true. And maybe if I had grown up kind of knowing that that was a potential expectation, I probably would, maybe I wouldn't think about it, you know, that much. And then, you know, those beautiful, I mean, I, that's a really cool thing to happen at a birth. Yeah, Uh, totally. Like it could be an instant sisterhood type situation with that many people. Yeah, that is what it felt like. It did feel like very comforting for everyone and like not as American what I would have chosen maybe, but I was like, wow, this feels so nice. So yeah, it was cool. Like a little concert to be a part of. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so do you have any recollection of how long it took you from like when you get to the hospital to when you started pushing? Yeah, so I don't remember, but crazy enough, I actually put it in my daughter's baby book. So I had it in there. Wow, a um, filled out baby book. I wonder what that's like. I don't have that. <laughs> I just had this, I think it was just a guilt complex. I'm like, if there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to fill out a baby book for all my kids. So, And I'm glad. Like, it's the one thing, even at their age now, they pull out and look at. Oh, so that's sweet. Really nice. So if you haven't done it yet, do it now, because I feel like the memories fade even more, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's never too late. That's my opinion. Yeah. 
So it took like four hours, I think, once I was in active labor to give birth. So not terrible. Mm -hmm. um, but at one point, my heart rate dropped. And so the doctor was like, I think we might have to think about a C-section. And then he's like, well, we'll try turning you. So I turned. And then about an hour later, she it picked up and I was able to give birth. So that was awesome. It's amazing that turning, just changing position can do that. Yeah. They've heard that a couple of times now, and it's just so crazy that just a little yeah, bit of... Yeah, I, I wonder it's just like, you know, the pressure of the baby on a cord, and then suddenly they're not on the, you know, totally. cord or whatever. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. You're, at that point, you're kind of at the doctor's mercy and their judgment and hoping they're, you know, got their act together and mm -hmm. had their coffee that day or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what was pushing like? Oh my gosh. Okay. So they did actually in the actual birthing room, it was a separate room. But the thing I remember most is that there was a broken light above me. And no. <laughs> but the coolest part about that is it was a, it was like a mirror. I could see oh, myself. Wow. Because they okay. didn't have, I mean, you know, like this is not a modern place. They did not have like a here, hold this and you can see the baby or whatever. So yeah, so I could see how far the baby was coming out in the broken mirror or the broken light. It was so funny. And then I don't remember push like the it was definitely painful. I mean, I, it, like it was nice to talk to people who had given birth naturally before because they basically said like, imagine you're gonna die. That's how it feels, and then it's over. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> when the pain's so bad that I feel like I'm gonna die, that's the time to. <laughs> 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 <I was> like, <laughs> How it convenient was really true. that you knew that. <laughs> I know. It's so good to have that, like, because we all know what it's like to die. So. Um, but then I think the thing that struck me, and again, because I had had epidural the first time, I didn't know this, but, like, the afterbirth hurt worse for me than oh, the birth. Like, interesting. And I'm glad I had no, like, knowledge that that could be the case. Mm -hmm. um, because they're like, oh, now you have to push this out. I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't even like I couldn't even picture like going through pain again and it was like very painful so yeah super fun what was Natalie like when she was born do you recall your she, first moments with her yeah um some of I can't like this is the part that's faded a little bit and I think it's because it wasn't like in America where they're like here you know cuddle with your baby against your chest you know like all the stuff we know now is like comforting a baby or is like bonding like they're like oh we got to do our apgar score or whatever you know thing like they're like whisk the baby away that the thing that i remember is um they kept measuring her wrong like they kept saying she's 26 inches long i was like that is impossible <laughs> like that is literally impossible can you remeasure her oh my lord and they got the same the same length again. <laughs> and you're like, these motherfuckers are in charge of my baby's safety? What the fuck? And then or like, they call Guinness Book of World Records, I know, I right? Like, yes, I know my baby is extraordinary long for a Puerto Rican baby, but um, yeah, so finally a third person came in and got it right. So she was, she was long. She was like 22 and a half inches. So she was definitely a long baby, but you know, it was not, yeah, it was not giantess. Thing, so. Not like a two-year-old size. <laughs> <laughs> How convenient that would be, but yeah, no, sadly. Yeah, so. It's so sad. I don't like all I can picture is like the pictures I have at this point. Mm -hmm. Like I like I definitely had like I was so you know you're so exhausted and mm -hmm. so happy. It's just that moment you can't even put a name to. You mm -hmm. know, it's I'm really so special. thankful for so many like of the pictures I took during the sort of like newborn first couple months phase because really yeah. I don't remember a lot of it like I look at the picture I'm like oh yes. that outfit or oh that like time we were sitting on the porch like I just it wouldn't be in my memory without the picture at all yeah I know I'm grateful for that too it does bring you back to like recently we found some mini mini movies um from when my girls were about that age it's just like oh like there i do like a part of me knows it's real and i i can relive the moment but it still feels like a dream like it's mm -hmm. just so weird totally and sarah who, who was with you when you gave birth your husband but was your mm -hmm. husband at the time but was your mom there or because i know that she was wasn't something. 
Yeah. Okay. No. They wouldn't. <laughs> they would not have. I can guarantee you, they would not have allowed that. I was surprised they let. Yeah. I don't know. They had. Oh my gosh. Like we had. I had to bring my own sheets and blankets. Um, and then they had this belief that um, they had to keep the rooms cold to prevent infection. Oh, <laughs> oh so goodness. I would. I had a room with a. Um, and a girl who had had a c-section so they were really concerned about infection <laughs> so they like cranked that baby oh it was so cold oh my goodness um yeah so that was yeah it's crazy oh and then visitor hours were like really limited and they did the thing that you see like in the 1950s where they have like the window and all the babies lined up in the, the nursery. <laughs> oh. And my, so my mom comes and, you know, my, I have a sister who's quite a bit younger. She comes too. And, and then like <laughs> they see my, my baby and my baby's, you know, like the enormous, super <laughs> pink baby in a sea of like beautiful like darker babies and it's just hilarious to begin with but then they're like oh visiting time's over and they quick shut the blind and then my mom said they shoved kleenex in all of the cracks so you couldn't see it wow it's <laughs> like okay why disturb those babies through a glass yes, wall no, with your eyeballs no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah stuff like that you're just like oh my it was all like i don't know if it's just power trip like what I don't understand the value of this but they seem to think it was important so. I wonder if there's like an element of like the nurses have to deal with like people staring at them while they're trying oh. to do their job and then they're oh, like maybe. I need a break maybe. from this that's why visiting hours need to be over now I mean yeah. as an introvert who doesn't like to be observed while doing difficult things that would be my guess <laughs> but also I have no sometimes things are just that way because they've been that way for a long time yeah there's processes yeah, no, they, that get put yes. in place and then they just yes. stay for no reason so well and then i mean maybe this isn't it but um i know one time i went into the emergency room they handed me out a form for suing whoever had committed the thing like i was like wait you're handing me paperwork to like press charges against someone right oh here in the ER. so i don't know maybe that was it too maybe they're worried about somebody like getting on them so that's but, yeah, I, I can't believe the United States has not come up with that innovation. Yeah. <laughs> Georgina, you and I should set up shop like right yes. down the, like right around the corner from the hospital, be like running over the papers. I'm sorry, yeah, add on a bus is not good enough. You need to be yeah. there with your paperwork. Wow, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. Um how, so how long did you stay in the hospital after you um had her? I think it was two days, um, but the, so culturally they're not really into breastfeeding. So that was another piece that was kind of a pain because they, um, they had a special room, believe it or not, set aside for bottle feeding or nursing or whatever. And they let my husband come in there, which was like a minor miracle. Um, but I kept telling the nurses like, I'm breastfeeding, please don't, you know, give her a bottle. But then she kept like avoiding my breast and I was like, hmm. And they finally admitted, they're like, oh, we just fed her a little. We know you're breastfeeding. That's beautiful here. We're feeding her. I was like, oh, hey, people. So, yeah. So there was a lot of that going on. So it was a little frustrating. But, yeah, I think culturally they just don't. Like, even if people say they breastfeed, they also bottle feed plus breastfeed. So it was just like a totally foreign thing, I think. Interesting. So, um, so two days. And yeah, then and I think. They didn't have a meal service, so I know we had to bring our own. It was just a whole, like, <laughs> very bare bones. Um, yeah. And, so it, I, and you said you brought your own sheets, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny yeah. because I feel like now people really are into bringing their own things in the hospital oh, to, like, so make true. it seem more homey. And then I know that uh, we, I could not deal with the hospital food at all. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Uber eats everything because <laughs> I need more food than this tiny little portion. So it's funny. It's just like <laughs> yeah, how so funny. It's just a different it's a different thing. That's culturally. so then, funny. Yeah, they were way ahead of their times, even though they were really <laughs> behind their <laughs> <times>. <laughs> did, When did uh, Sophia meet her? And do you remember that at all? Oh, gosh. I don't remember that. I think, I don't think she was allowed in the hospital. So I think we 
got home and um, she met her. And people definitely warned me that it probably wouldn't be the beautiful moment you want it to be. (laughs) And that was kind of true. I mean, she was definitely jealous. And I think a lot of people thought of that. So they gave her a lot of presents and things like that. But yeah, they, um, they warmed up to each other. I think especially when my baby got a little older, like she had, they just had a good personality match. Like my, my first one is really like a leader and extroverted. And my second one likes, likes to, you know, likes to have another person initiate and is more introverted. So it just like totally worked. That's great. How did you think of the name Natalie? Oh, so with both Sophia and Natalie, we wanted a name that people in Puerto Rico could also say, or that would kind of bridge culturally a little bit. And so Natalie, that was part of it. We really liked it. And um, I think like, well, in Puerto Rico, sometimes they say Natalia, but it's similar. So it's a lot easier than some of the other names. So that was, that was actually our primary driver at that point. So. Wow. That's really neat. And And what was your postpartum time like once you got home you're dealing with an extremely young first child and yeah you know you're I don't know I think how like busy you described your it was, yeah but. yeah no he was he I don't think he was able to take much leave so I like you were describing like I don't remember that period I think I really didn't sleep it <laughs> blocked didn't, it out I don't I really don't remember yeah it's it's definitely a blur um I did have a crazy experience like and this the only reason I remember it because it was so weird like we d- traveled back to the states a couple of weeks after she was born um so she could meet other people and um we <laughs> the the agents in the airport um pulled me aside with my baby and they started interrogating me because there had been a, a baby kidnapping. Oh my goodness. And the baby was from the same hospital where my baby was born, about the same age. So every an- answer I, I um, gave matched the description of this baby. Oh my goodness. And then they showed me the baby and I started crying because it looked a lot like my baby. And oh, um, wow. it, it actually ended well. Like they, it was, it was crazy. It was, a, um, and actually my ex-husband, um, they, his office had been working on the case, which is the weirdest thing because wow. he called to find out what was going on. Wow. Um, but it was like a, a mistress who was jealous and then took a baby and threw it in the woods. But the baby was fine. They found oh the baby like God. a day later and it was all okay. But it's just like just another layer of like, are you kidding me? Like I, I was crying because I didn't like I knew eventually it'd be cleared up. But you know how when people accuse you and you still feel guilty, even yes. though like clearly there's no way I kidnapped a baby. This is my baby. But yeah, so that was a crazy, one of many crazy Puerto Rican experiences. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. It's weird. I I really want to know how a baby survives a day in the woods also. I I need like a little episode of like, I know my show that that... shows me the like 24 hour (laughs) process of that happening. (laughs) Yeah. That is a very good point. Um, Lots of tree cover. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't it just know. shows that babies are hardier than we give them credit for, I, I guess. I think so. I think so. Well, I mean, I remember walking in on Sophia, like, banging Natalie's head. <laughs> right when she was, she was like, ah! <laughs> Natalie was fine. So yeah. We had a lot of that in our house. Still do, unfortunately. <laughs> but less less of it and less like worry about it since it's been happening for almost three oh, years straight no. now do you have two i have two i have a five-year-old okay. and an almost three-year-old so yeah yeah we had wow yes yeah well. wow yeah there is oh my gosh i think that's the hardest thing about having two so close together is just like they just don't know like mm-hmm. can hurt each other with not even knowing what mm-hmm. they're doing so just like ah yeah well and yeah. my oldest too it's like it's all about, I just want to get a reaction out of this other being, ah, but I'm not yes. really contemplating like their experience of it. And, right. or I'm just completely unaware of my own like flailing and the other person right. just got in the way. Like it's one of those two things. <laughs> well, in our case, I think it's a lot of, let's see what happens when I do X. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Now we know that is not a good choice. Yeah, Totally. Um, so so did you have, you said you had like a tight knit 
expat community there. Did you mm-hmm. have like your go-to mom friend or like surrogate auntie who you like relied on during that time? Or were you very much like it was on you and you were just kind of like trucking through it? I mean, I didn't have anyone older, but I had a lot of peers mm-hmm. and they were really supportive and, and all had babies about the same time as me. So I feel like I had a lot of resources just for commiserating or Uh for support. And then just that extra layer of being in Puerto Rico and trying to find certain things for your baby. And at that time, the internet was not what it is today. So they wouldn't even like ship things to PO boxes, which is what we all had. So we all had to figure out like workarounds to even get. And so it just was a very different situation yeah and you kind of figure out like how little you need to mm-hmm. have a decent life with a baby <laughs> but, um, it was really good for our wallet because you know I couldn't get half of the things I wanted to get so. you mean you didn't have a 75 page baby registry at three different oh, baby stores my gosh. <laughs> it's so heavenly but I mean the environment I lived in was so wonderful and so I mean obviously like challenging other ways but like every day when our babies were little we would go down to the beach together and they'd play in the ocean I mean it's oh, just kind of the best really special so yeah I think it's a trade-off right <laughs> you oh, give up certain sure. things and then you get other like great things so for sure yeah yeah there's really nothing like beach time with little kids yeah, I know it's and its it makes own... them sleepy yeah so I know. <laughs> it's, it's great it's magical um yeah I mean I think in retrospect, I wish I had reached out more. Like, I think some of the things that I did truck through would have been so much better if I had just asked more questions. But I just have tend to have a personality of like, oh, I'll figure it out or I'll do it and not thinking, oh, I bet there are other people that probably have figured that out better than me already. <laughs> I don't need to like problem solve this too. So, But you learn that over time, I guess. Yeah. Or some people learn early well it's hard I feel like that's such a cultural thing you know Americans Mm -hmm. are such individuals that you get get reinforced like rewarded in some way just you know I did it myself or I have to do this myself Um, so I you know it's understandable Um, yeah we don't value like asking for help or offering help in the way we're just not communal in that way yeah. And it doesn't get rewarded. We reward like this ridiculous, rugged individualism. Right. Which, which can break good a person. For, like <laughs> right. inventions, I guess. But <laughs> other than that, it's like kind of annoying. Well, I think what really helped me is um, after my third child, I got divorced and I was in a position where I just needed help. I was in grad school. I was doing all, you know, like there was literally no way. Mm-hmm. And it took me getting to that point to learn it's okay to ask for help. And again, like a lot of times my justification was like, you know what, I'll pay it forward. And then I felt better about taking the help because mm-hmm. it's hard to take, but it is hard. Um, but man, it makes such a difference. And people love it like they Mm -hmm. love to give yeah you know when it feels good and it's justified and it's just but it's just hard to be on the receiving end and very humbling for sure yeah and I mean it is also good for everybody involved I feel like we are community-minded creatures right so Mm -hmm. as much as it feels like it's like this I'm getting help and you're receiving it it's really just like a healthy thing Um, but it's hard I feel like to conceptualize it and just I was gonna say earlier in terms of like giving getting help another thing I know I struggle with is just what to offer offering help Mm. like what is it what should it look like Uh, you know like and again with this whole thing of time figuring that out our schedules it's just the world is so strange and built in a strange way sometimes and it's true when we question those assumptions like you realize wow I don't you know need this or wow I did need this and it's a really good point I mean I think like and I'm sure I learned this from somebody else very smart but like just the whole idea of like offering concrete thing like concrete practical things that you can tell someone would appreciate I know usually is received well for me like whatever like or even it can be free but just or just the thought you know because yeah because if someone says I can do like 
this dishes or I can watch your kid for an hour or right. I can pick up diapers, then you've given them three things that they don't have to specifically give you directions. Right. Like they know that you are willing to do those things and they can say right. yes. Whereas if you say, if you need any help, it's like this vague open-ended right. thing, but then they still have the question in themselves of like, how much help am I allowed to yeah, ask Yeah, that's for? a really good. Well, and then if they don't need the diapers, they can say, well, okay, now I know what the level of offer is mm -hmm. and I can say, but I would like milk or whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it feels, yeah, I like that too. Especially now that I've been on the receiving end, that's so appreciated. Or even anonymous things like people haven't, I mean, this is extreme, but, you know, just giving anonymously giving money or things like that, where it's just like, oh, someone thought of me. And then you don't have to feel bad. Like every time you see them knowing they gave you something you can't give back, even though they don't want that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Community is, is critical. Mm -hmm. And how old were your kids when uh, you moved back to the States or to the mainland? So so I still just had two. I, um, Sophia was five and Natalie was four. So it was five years in Puerto Rico. Wow. Yeah. And they, I feel like they went back kind of recently. Did yeah, they, they did. They went somewhat, back to visit yeah. um, with my ex-husband. Um, and it was special. They saw a few of the friends that we had and the kids that they had that sweet early time with. Mm. And I think it was a little different with their dad because when... Um, when we lived there, he was working a lot on a different part of the island. So he wasn't experiencing a lot of those things with us. And so it would have probably been different if I had taken them, but it just, the circumstances didn't work out that way. So I was just really happy though. They got to sort of see some of those things. Like it kind of, um, they've seen the pictures, but it's nothing like, like, oh, this actually happened. You mm -hmm. know, here we are. It's yeah. cool that they'll have that connection now for life. Yeah, this, and, like special place. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, and you know, Natalie's got the birth certificate with Puerto Rico on it, so it's kind of fun. Um, and actually, recently, a friend of mine was vacationing. It was, I think, just like a few days ago. She texted me a picture of the beach. She was sitting on the beach where we used to take our little kids, and they were on wow. vacation, kind of doing what my ex had done last year. So um, it was really fun. Sort of, because it feels like a dream when it's been a long time, and you're like, "Oh, this really happened." And then she told me that they're getting an assignment in Madrid, so I was like, "Ah, we can have a reunion in Madrid." So, <laughs> be exciting. <That's> awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. is there anything else you want to share about your any part of it? Not offhand. I mean, that's that's as much as I can remember. Um, I was just gonna say, Sarah, it's been so wonderful to talk to you and for you to share your story and uh, actually you have the distinction of being the first guest who's had I think more than 10 years elapsed oh. since so it's really a distinct honor to have to have you I wanted to wait well, till you told the story so you wouldn't feel any <laughs> pressure but you are our first and so of, um, of this kind and it just I mean I think it just goes to show you that these these stories are just they're special um yeah. they're really special and um even as like time elapses, you know, there's probably parts of it. I bet you would have told it differently right like five yes. years ago, maybe yes. even. So um, it's I was nervous in that respect. I was like, well, am I going to not remember? But it's amazing. I um how much comes back. My sister had a late miscarriage a couple of years ago and um, this older lady she knew left a message on her machine telling her how she still thinks about the miscarriage she had like 60 or 70 years ago. And then you realize wow. like how powerful these things really are, mm -hmm. you know, in our memory and our, like they change you permanently. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. It sounds yeah. like there's some, there's some children returning home right now. <laughs> Yeah, we have a friend coming over, so it's nice. That is very fun. Well, Sarah, thank you again for for sharing and uh, just and taking a stroll down memory lane with us. We appreciate it. Usually, we conclude with a birth fact. I don't know if you have one. Yes, I do. A birth um, fact. Okay. So I was looking up what the average labor time was, and um, the first thing that came up was the. The average time of active labor, which I actually think is pretty interesting. So that's once you've 
um, dilated to six centimeters. So we're not counting any of the shit before that, which is also its own journey. But um, uh, <laughs> six. Once you get to six and beyond, the average is four to eight hours. Oh goodness, uh, that's a lot longer than I would have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wow. think that might be for firstborns, or oh. at least it would be skewed mm-hmm. because if some people, you know. A lot of people only have one kid, right? So then that might skew. So I'm wondering if that's with the epidural or without, because you know how epidurals kind of slow the process often, oh. or at least that seems to be the case. That's true. It, they do. That's a good point. We're going to yeah. need to do oh, some more research. <laughs> I'm so glad that you had a uh, fact. I thought I was supposed to come up with oh. a fact. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no, no. I should have said, yeah, yeah. No, so as a guest, the last thing you do is you oh, spout God. off a birth fact. <laughs> you gave me secret homework, and now you better perform. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I birth. should have warned you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I have all the answers now that I've given birth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. And we'll, we're signing off um, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Okay, <laughs> Have bye-bye. a good day, everybody. <laughs> All right. Take bye-bye. care. Bye.